Hey, balls and magic. Welcome back to How to Be Queer. My name is Alex. I use they, them pronouns. Hi, it's Kim. She, her. We need like a theme song. I know. We do need theme music. If you would like to write us a theme song, please reach out. How to be queer podcast at gmail.com. That'd be so fun. Can I? So, in I, I, speaking of theme music, can I just like talk about Halloween for like a hot oh, second? Please do. So, at my job, we have a Halloween costume contest, mm-hmm. and I went as Wednesday Adams. Yes, you did. Which Alex, you have to. You can post a picture on our our all of our socials so people can see it. And you know what? People kept asking me what if I would do like put the song on uh-huh. and do the dance because you would rocket yeah no <laughs> so i i no i'm not gonna do the hands dance in front of like all of my colleagues it was enough that i was dressed like wednesday adams but this was the funniest part of it okay so and you had asked me too you're like you need to like play the theme music and like come in and do it and i'm like i feel like we're really misunderstanding who we are like that's what you would do that was my own projection <laughs> that's not what i would do right. okay so but when i got to work there was another person who was dressed up as wednesday adams and she's like 20 years younger than me <laughs> so i was like i just need to embrace the embarrassment of this moment and so i was like well i'm middle aged wednesday i'm wednesday when she grew up and then like my colleague went as like you know Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And it was it was fun, but it was it was amazing how many people must have watched that series and they were like, Are you gonna do the song? Are you gonna do the dance? And I was like, no. Is it no. enough that I got a wig and makeup and an outfit? Like, come on, people. H-A-U-T-E. Hot. <laughs> hot. I do not think I was hot in my Wednesday Wednesday outfit. I would not describe that as hot. I would describe that as middle-aged Wednesday, like not quite Morticia. But not Wednesday. Okay. I was in that space. And I feel like we need to mention a sponsor here. I'll shut up now. Oh, <laughs> well, shout out to Outfront Magazine, our sponsors who were established in 1976. They are the only queer, oldest queer, oldest yeah. queer um, run organization. Um, I'm sorry, I'm scratching my eyeball. Um, publication. Yeah. In the US. So shout out if you are not a subscriber to um, Outfront Magazine, please go to their website, check out their news section, check out their features. I think they have the most beautiful photography of queer folks mm-hmm. and love their photography. So please go check them out. Yeah. And some really great articles about, well, lots well, of different got, like, things. like a whole thing on their website too, about like queer news that you can follow and, and, yeah. and just understand what's happening in queer spaces. But today we're going to talk a little bit about language. We are. So, and we keep using the word queer and how to be queer. Mm-hmm. Queer is one of those like really special words for me. Do we want to talk about queer first? Me too. So queer was at one point, um, a, an, a, it was an insult, right? Like you would use it as, as, um, but it just mean, I think that the actual translation of it was like, oh, queer, like weird or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it bizarre used, or an, bizarre an oddity. Yeah. Earlier. And so it was used in a lot of ways to dehumanize um, queer folks. And so the question I get asked, there's a couple questions I get asked more than anything else. And when one is about the weird, the word, the weird word, blah, 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 the word queer. Mm-hmm. So I, this is my stance on the weird, the word queer. Okay. I use that, that word probably to describe myself more than anything else. Like, Same. Hey, I'm a part of the queer community. I identify as queer specifically. I identify as a lesbian, but I don't necessarily like say lesbian as much as I do queer. Yeah. 
but I will tell you when I hear the word queer come from a, 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 a hetero straight, straight person or someone who would, would identify as outside of the definitions of queerness of, of the community, I don't like it. Hmm. And I know that that's just me. And lots of other people feel like they can use the word, but I, there's something about it for me still that doesn't feel quite right. And I think that might be a generational thing. Mm. What do you think? Um, It would be something for me to think more about because I use the word queer for myself probably more than any other word as well. And then if I'm getting more into identity, you know, I'll use trans and non-binary, of course, and gay. But when I hear people use the word queer, it always piques my interest. Um, I know we have a good friend who who uses it, and but that's different. I I feel. Um, I don't know. I guess just reclaiming the the word is it's been a really like a homecoming for me. So I get happy when I hear other people say it. And it doesn't matter to you the how they identify when they use it. I think I haven't. Well, and I haven't been around. Um, usually, people will use LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. But the people who use the word now that I mean I'm like thinking out loud. Like I, I, I have some coworkers who who are also in the queer community who use queer. But but this would be the, so yeah. Like inside the community, I'm like you can use yeah. whatever you want. But outside of it, I there's and I and I know that there's a lot of back and forth about this. Can people who are not in the community use it? I know one of our good friends is is outside of the community, and I've I've heard her use queer, and it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, and it's probably just because I know her and, and she's very aligned in allyship. And actually, even though she is not, you know, by an identity standpoint, a part of the community, she kind of is. Yeah. Because she's got friends and family members and she's, uh, you know, they've, they've been a, just a part of the community and, an, mm-hmm. and an ally. Remember, ally means that you are focused on the activism, not the activist. And I hear her use it and it feels okay. But I think like in our in our little space of the world which we occupy which is you know really out there queer folks mm-hmm. which is the point of our podcast is is talking about queer things like you're sitting at our kitchen table with us to demystify i think a bit of mm-hmm. queer life and queer experience um i th- this one is i get a que- i do get questioned about this a lot who can use the word queer yeah. And so my answer to that is for me, and I am not the spokesperson for all queer people, but for me, and I don't think I'm that extraordinary or different, and you're probably going to find this amongst a lot of queer people, mm-hmm. it's an in-community word. Yeah. And so use if you are outside of the community, use the word with caution. Like if you're using it, know your audience and know who you're speaking about. And I don't, you know, just make sure it feels supportive to them. Yeah. I think it, I, I think of it too, because our words carry... Weight. So much ener- weight and energy that when words, we hear words from other people, you know, they, they'll hit us in a certain way. And, and I think, you know, historically the, the um, heteronormativity, I'll just say that like, not the heteronormative community, but the heter- heteronormativity as a system has used, obviously, as, as you were just saying earlier, use that word in such a hurtful way that maybe there's this shift happening of like if i if there was someone out there who was you know not in the community but said hey queerness is really beautiful like oh that would be the, totally okay right? right like hearing that person say that that would feel good to me yeah i agree but if i heard ron desantis say queer oh hell no 
I'm going to punch him in his, I'm going to throw punch him. Yeah. It's almost like, it's like you, there's a privilege and a responsibility that you wouldn't, you know, that you can, that you hold, have when you have, have these words and how they're gifts, you know, how you use them, how you dole them out and um, exchange is so important. I really, I, 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 I think you just nailed it, right. That there's, there's an importance on language and, there's a respect that comes with it. And I spent last week in Durango Mm -hmm. and um, part of the time that I spent in Durango was with the Southern Ute um, tribe and and learning just more about culture. And I spent, um, because we've been working on, uh, our listeners know I also work for PBS. And so we've been working on a lot of different pieces around the Buffalo and importance of Buffaloes and in particular with indigenous communities. And so um, we've done a lot of work with the Southern U tribe here. And so I went to their cultural center Mm -hmm. and then next week, I'm so excited because I get to go to the um, Denver Indian center and um, there's going to be a Q and a with a couple folks from the community. I'm very excited about it. I love working with indigenous communities because I'm always so fascinated by how different our um, colonizer way of life is mm-hmm. versus our indigenous and more energetic um, with Mother Earth. And so one of the things I learned when I was at the cultural center is around language and that for most indigenous languages, they can't actually do a translation for us because our way of life is so different. There is no actual word translation yeah. because the the entire philosophy and thinking energetically behind like why we're here and whose world this is and who owns the earth and mother nature. It's so different than our capitalist colonizer world that you can't translate the language. That's fascinating because that I'm I'm reading this book right now called the soul's plan. Yeah. And and literally he talks about the author talks in in there about um, it's like the soul language isn't an earthly language. It's like feeling and interaction. And so that just speaks to, there's no literal translate translation for so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we obviously we do our best, but, but from that spiritual side as the, as the native Americans are so. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess like this kind of like bleeds into a little bit of like what we're talking about today, because, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my work in life has been in inclusion. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I always talk about with inclusion is like, it's okay to come to the table and not know something yeah. like just admit that you don't know it and then be open to learning it. Like, don't try to like pass through being like, well, you know, don't let your fragility come in and be like, well, I know everything and I'm going to be defensive. No, just admit like I'm not an indigenous person. I'm always going to be in a space of learning with indigenous folks. And I'm just, open to that. Like, no, I don't know. Could, would you mind sharing with me? Can I, can I have your trust for you to tell me? And it has served me really well. But one of the things that I had a very humbling moment once because I was talking with an indigenous elder and we were talking about like, um, like property and ownership. And he said to me, well, I, there's no word for that. And I must have done like that person thing. Like when you don't know something and you like tilt your head to the side and you're like, huh? huh? Yeah. And he was like, you know, the word property, like there's no translation for the word property. And he told me, I'll never forget this. He said, Kim, it would be like two fleas on the dog arguing about who owns the dog. That's the way his culture views Mother Earth. Yeah. Like we're like two fleas on the earth being like, I own this plot. I 
on this plot. And I'm like, how freaking gracious of this person whose land was stolen from them. Mm-hmm. He also said about um, land acknowledgements. So now like whenever, you know, most people know this, like it's either, you know, like your email signature or when you go to conferences or gatherings of any type, there's a land acknowledgement of like the land that we're on. And this thing was like, yeah, that's great that you do that, but are you giving the land back? Mm -hmm. And he's like, if that answer is no, then it's all good. Like we know we're not getting the land, like why it's, it feels very performative. Oh Yeah. No, but to other indigenous people, that's not going to be the feeling. So again, the point being, none of us can speak for an entire community. We can just only tell you how we feel. Yeah. Back to the word queer now. Back to the word queer. <laughs> it took us on a little. No, oh. that's that's so great. <laughs> it's all connected. And and also, um, you know, it's November, so it's Transgender Awareness Month. Is it really? It is. Well, I mean, this Transgender Awareness Week and then tra- Transgender Day of, of, of Remembrance. Okay, can you tell me what what is Transgender Day of Remembrance? What is the how, because it's it's is it for people that have passed? Yes, in acts of transphobic transphobic violence. That's right. Okay, it's not yeah. just like if you're a trans person who has passed. It's it is linked to the violence against trans people. Yeah, who passed because they were trans. Okay, so we'll probably do an episode later this month then honoring yeah. um, that day. Yeah. And then the awareness week is the second week of November. So we're coming up on that. And it's just um, education, visibility, awareness. I was going to say, as a trans person, how does it like, what do you, how do you feel about having a trans week of awareness? (laughs) Well, every day is a day of awareness for me. (laughs) (laughs) Every day you're aware you're trans. (laughs) Still haven't gotten us yet, motherfuckers. Great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no that's that's the humor um the dark humor um no i um i guess i just go to there was a time in my life where i did not know uh i i felt but didn't know and so then i knew and um then my knowingness went to awareness which went to education which led to growth yeah so um i feel there was a time where I couldn't even wear a t-shirt with a rainbow on it. I couldn't even say that, couldn't even say gay. Like, I mean, it's so much internalized fear around who my inner being really is. Can we like pause for just a second? Okay. <laughs> You've told me this before, yeah. but I got to go there again. Sure. So you would not even wear a rainbow shirt. Yeah, I was one of the the people. I never I don't think I never admitted it because I knew enough. I didn't want to hurt someone else, but when I would see someone in rainbow shit, I would I felt I had a visceral reaction. Like I would like my heart would race, I would get kind of um uncomfortable or like kind of angry. I was going to say, was it jealousy or envy? I think ultimately under, yeah, because underneath the anger was was my fear and my actual, which led me back to the love for myself. Mm. But um, yeah, it, there was there was also a little bit like, how can they do that? And I'm, and I can't. Um, oh, and how boy. did they get to that point? I want to get there too, but but first I'm going to get mad about it. You know, and and that's where when we sometimes see that there's awful hatred and crime against queer folks, and then you're like, oh, and then the person comes out later. Like we've seen this with a lot of religious institutions. Yeah. 
where leaders of different religious institutions have been absolutely horrific to queer people. And then years later, they're like, well, yeah, I, I myself am gay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously you weren't envious in a way that you were demoralizing and and giving people conversion therapy. Like I'm convinced Mike Pence is gay. Like I'm convinced, I'm convinced. Anyone who's committed to that amount of hatred, like you are suppressing something really, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like when he, like, remember, I always think about him and he was like in the debate and he had that fly land on his head. Mm. Hey, Mike, how you doing? <laughs> I, I know. I was like, I, I, and then I feel sorry for him. Like the other thing with him is remember how he won't have, why are you laughing at me? I'm not laughing at you. I was going to like the universe being like, here's this fly for your head. Just to, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. But I always think about him and, you know, because he's married and, mm-hmm. and he refers to his wife as mother. Ooh. I'm like, can we just like, hold on a second. Okay. And then he won't have any type of like business meeting or political meeting with a woman by himself. Oh, I know. I know you're giving me this look listeners. You can't see us right now, but Alex just gave me this look like, I know. So I'm like, so wait a second, because you, I, I, there's so many levels in which this is wrong and I can tell I'm getting fired up already. And I'm just going to like, take a pause because listeners, if you've been listening to me, you get where I'm going to be like of the, all the misogyny of purposefully holding women back from having access to sitting at your table, because what like mother isn't going to like it. Some like it doesn't, I, how are we accepting of this person? I don't get it. It's almost like the mother, the mother, uh, man, we should get a psychologist on here to talk about this. Was it like the mother, you know, took away the child's, Mike's sense of self and like just stripped away. So, I mean, obviously some capacity for self-love because, and then twisted it to you will admire me when I'm actually your worst abuser. I don't know. I don't know. It's very bizarre, but I will tell you my favorite meme ever had to be him sitting at a table with Mrs. Butterworth with maple syrup on the table. And someone was like, "Uh Oh, Mike's in trouble. Like that was that me that and the fly on his head probably made my ear. (laughs) Sorry. Not sorry. I'm sorry. Not sorry. Okay, but back to what were we talking about? Oh, identity. Yeah, and how you said you were going to go somewhere. Yeah. You you couldn't. You didn't even want to wear like a rainbow. Yeah, and it's funny because now I feel like you have a rainbow somewhere on your body at all times. Yes. Okay. And and I think because of who I really am, you know, my my I, when I say my queerness, my gayness, then my transness, my non-binaryness, like there were, you got a lot of nests. There was a lot of alphabet soup to get through. Um. I was openly very supportive of of the gay community, but I didn't even understand transness like at all. And then sh- showed up in a very um, yeah, I was really unaware. I won't say I I used to call myself confused and things like that. I'm like, you know, no, I'm not going to do that to myself anymore. I wasn't confused. I was really unaware. I think when I met you, you told me you're a little bit of a boy and a little bit of a girl. Yeah. And that's the best I had. Yeah. And I yeah. used the word lesbian with you once and you did not like that. Yeah. I was like, no, that does, that's not me. I don't know why, but it's not. Yeah. And that was, and that's the, I, that's so, you know, we've talked about this a lot, how identity and sexuality are on the same, it's like a cul-de-sac, like they're two houses on the same cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is where yours was kind of blending together, mm-hmm. right? Because you didn't have the words for your like for your beep, beep, beep orientation parts, because you didn't under you had, didn't have the language for your identity. Yes. 
Yes, it was very murky. It was, it was muddy waters I, for you. Yes, knew there was some queerness in there. Lots of queerness. I'm wondering, do you feel like because we, you know, and it, it, it's always hard to read because in in the circle that you and I live in, people understand, you know, gender being different than orientation. Um, but outside of our world, do you feel like people are getting a little bit more savvy to the differences between? What makes your body parts go beep versus who you who you are? Uh, like, so like outside of our our social circle. Well, or outside of like the queer world, I think sometimes even within the queer world, people still don't are not as accepting of trans, our trans brothers and sisters and and, and non-binary folks as they should be. Yeah, you know, I've um, I admit there was a time. Actually, I should say I've done a lot of work around not assuming. Um, and allowing myself because I've learned so much from the Gen Z, mm. from the longer, younger generations of, you know, their language and um, the words they have. And so I think I, it was, it's so easy to judge and to assume. And so I guess to answer your question, if this answers it, just that I'm trying to stay, I myself, it, it's work to stay continue to stay open to because I will we will all just default to our own experience because that's the most familiar I think you're absolutely right about about Gen Z is that they've had exposure and um it's just been a different world in the past you know 20 some years of how we represent and interact with queerness Mm -hmm. where if if you are older than that the representation you had of queerness was was not good. Um and so I I have I have definitely found and I'm generalizing which is never a great thing. I don't want to paint an entire generation with a brush, but yeah. the majority of folks that I think come to us for questions and understanding do tend to be older. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's And that's that's what it is. There's no judgment in that statement. Yeah. I think I um there's different you know, like you were saying, not painting an entire generation, but having the experiences where people are really just like, oh, I didn't know that. And, you know, help me understand. And then versus the people who are like, no, you don't exist. exist. Which you you have had. Yeah. And it's it's really, it's, yeah, it's really painful. Oh, I'm sorry, babe. But um, I also know that I'm, you know, I I know who I am and I know what direction I'm going and it's all yeah. okay. Well, it, it, you know, trans people exist, non-binary people exist. And that to me is what that's, is part of what that statement means. Like you can have somebody come up to you and wave their hand in your face and say, oh, I don't do they, them pronouns. Yeah. Doesn't mean you don't exist. I know. I'm like, well, I'm still here, motherfucker. <laughs> still standing right in front of you. So you can fuck all the way off. <laughs> I love the word fuck. <laughs> okay. Noted. <laughs> Do you want us to count how many times you use it in this one? Fuck, fuck. <laughs> that makes me laugh, sweetie. I love you. So, okay, you have a you were sharing with me because we were we we're eating lunch right before we we sat down to to do this, and you were sharing a new word with me. Can yes. you can you share with everybody what that word was? Yeah. So I um on on the talks of tick on on TikTok there's a on a creator called therapy jeff he's really awesome and 
So go check out his work. He was doing, I believe, an ad for an app or some kind of like advertisement, but he was talking about this word heteroflexible. 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 And I was like, talk about a Gen Z word. And now again, I assumed that it was from the, it's a new, a new word. And so he goes on to say that within middle-ish age couples, um, like midlife. Yeah. Okay. Like, so that often in some situations, the, the man will come out as like if they like to do exploring or they're kind of like there's because we all evolve and shift and change. So if the, if the couple is married and they want to explore something or their, their sexuality is kind of evolving because it, it can, that the men will say heteroflexible and then they'll, and then, but the women are more likely to say bisexual or pan, which was interesting for me And in, in therapy. Jeff didn't say that this way, but then I was like, does this tie down to, the um struggle that hetero men cis hetero men some of them have around just talking about queerness mm. and so there's still it's still like a vent still like one foot in heteronormative world because that that prefix hetero is still in there but i'm gonna allow myself i'm hetero but i'm gonna allow myself to flex in these other sexualities and with these other genders and you know, I'll have sex with my wife and a and a man, but we're gonna focus on the woman just so everyone is like that kind of narrative around the conversations, which I thought was interesting. So we've talked about this on here before that how misogyny and and the patriarchy it it hurts everyone. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't just hurt women or or non-binary folks. Like it it hurts men too. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hear in that language, yeah. right? Is that I can't say bisexual. I can't say that I ha- I'm I'm in- interested and sexually attracted to men and to women. So I'm going to put this other word on it so that it's more acceptable and, and palatable to how I view masculinity. Yeah, that's layered. Yeah. But it's the, yeah. but that's, the, and, and that's, you know, re- I, that's when, when we say like, you know, it, the macho, patriarchal men don't have feelings men can't have feelings um men's role is to you know objectify and conquer their sexual partners and to be dominant i mean all of that it impacts and hurts men because men are not given the freedom to explore and be their authentic mm-hmm. self yeah um and men and and all the things that i've read about like what's happening to men and and you, this isn't like this isn't going to be earth shattering. But like men are, there's a crisis yeah. in mental health for men. Yeah. Um, the older that they get through life, the harder it is for them to form deep and meaningful friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it 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 worries me because we have a 17 year old who's mm-hmm. I I you know I always think about him when he's 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 growing up and I want him to be able to have the benefits of deep and meaningful friendship and connection to his emotions and able to express himself and not be held into this box of what men should be. He should be whatever he wants to be. Yeah. And on one hand with men that happens, right? They're given the, um, the runway of sort of entitlement and privilege that they can do things that a lot of times other identities can't, but at the same time, they're really oppressed between of these patriarchal standards as well. Yeah. 
I guess it's to say like nobody kind of gets out of this life without having a hard time in one way or another. Yeah. Um, but typically it is, and I would love to, it, we'll have to see about getting somebody on here to talk about this is how, because women sometimes reinforce those patriarchal standards that are mm-hmm. put on men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been reading a lot about spirituality and, and physical and like soul world. And basically what I've learned so far is like, you know, that we're, and, and, and this is partly Brene Brown's work too. So she says, you know, we're, we're feeling beings in who think, mm-hmm. or we're, we're spiritual beings in bodies. And <clears throat> what, what it was kind of saying was that earth is like, we're in the physical realm. And so men are very much taught to be in the physical realm they are their body they have to look a certain way act a certain way move move a certain way through the world and if they're not that definition of strength in a physical sense you know they're nothing or they're weak and i just think put this part of the the shift happening in the world is that we're we're waking up to we're we're so much bigger than just our bodies we're so much more and and that our 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 ness are like being ness is actually bigger than our body you have to be able to hold that and if men weren't taught from a young age like hey you have feelings like you're saying you have feelings and you have thoughts and that your thoughts are fueling each little universe inside each cell and like then it fuels uh, mental illness and disease and all sorts of things i'm going off in like you know wellness world but i i feel it it yeah, it's um, it's sad for them. It and, is. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a whole song by the cure. Boys don't cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, actually, they do. Actually, they do. And it's OK, too. It's a good thing, too. Yeah. I, I, I've witnessed, though. I mean, my goodness, we we could talk a lot about what we, you know, living, living where we live. And and I went to a couple high school football games because the kids are in high school and, yeah. and and the one is is still young enough that I'm like, mm, I kind of feel like I need to just be like present at places she's at, even if she like doesn't want to acknowledge that I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching some of the fathers and the way that they speak about the boys that are on the field, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Like I couldn't sit there. I, there was a dad that didn't like, he was actually, he got into a fist fight in the stands. Yeah. I'm like, you are 45 years old. You are not like, I can't even imagine what it would be like having to go home to that home. Mm -hmm. I just can't. And so I, I feel sorry for, for anyone that has to experience that, but yeah, that's what I witnessed. I know I witnessed. And it wasn't every dad. So like, don't freaking email me and don't come at me. I don't give a shit. (laughs) I know I, I witnessed a few of them too. And I'm like, you are just fighting with your five-year-old emotional brain that believes that that's as old as you that's like the like when they're triggered and when they're like it's like they can't because yeah is it like a survival of the fittest kind of mentality still i think at some level um a lot of boys were emotionally stunted Mm -hmm. by mother and or father and then you know, boys don't cry, be tough, be strong, look a certain way. And then they kind of stop, um, they stop emotionally growing at a certain age. And so whenever they get triggered by their own kid or something else, or, you know, somebody cuts them off in traffic, they will default to that age Mm -hmm. and react just like that age. And so if you're, 
you know, a three-year-old and you were told to not cry, then you're going to, you're going to fucking lose your mind inside a 50 year old body. Like it's just, it's hard to watch. And I just see, I watch their energy and their light, like, oh, you're hurting big time. But getting back to the word. <laughs> yes. So it's heteroflexibility. Yeah. So, okay. So I there's all sorts of new language that I've learned over the last 20 some years. Pansexual mm-hmm. is different than heteroflexibility. Right? Because pansexual is you you are not it doesn't matter the body, it's the mm-hmm. spirit or the essence that you're attracted to. Yeah. And so body parts are just body parts. Yeah. But heteroflexibility would still be within certain body parts. Yeah. The way he, the therapy Jeff was talking about it, it was almost like I will interact with this other kind of body, but I'll, you know, there's, there's a boundary for me, but that, but I'm going to cross what is hetero typical heterosexual bound uh box so um without calling myself gay it's wow very so fascinating yeah so i know when when um a lot of folks have asked asked me if i am pansexual because i'm with someone who identifies as 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 trans and Mm non-binary and no, I don't. Um, My gender identity has nothing to do with your sexuality. <laughs> yes. Thank you for saying that, because that is like when I was saying before, like, what are the questions that, I, you know, the questions that I get a lot of time is, do you like the word queer and how do you identify? Well, how can you be a lesbian if you're with a if you're with a non-binary trans mask person? And I'm like, well, because number one, I get to be whatever the fuck I want to be. <laughs> and number two, how many times has fuck been said? Just keep. Going. Oh, I don't know. Keep track for keep. me. Um, and number, but more than anything else, I am who I am and that doesn't change based off of who I'm choosing to be with. My identity is my identity. That being said, and I remember having this conversation years ago because, you know, I, I, I do not physically find certain body parts attached to male gender attractive. It doesn't feel right for me to interact with it. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's me that, Mm -hmm. and this is the other thing. This is the other thing. I I always feel like I have to say this. So no, my identity is not based off of the person that I'm with. My identity is mine and how I choose to identify and how I orient is mine is nothing to do with who I'm with. Yeah. I mean, I know what what do you use for yourself with orientation? I use gay. You use gay. Yeah. Why do you use gay? I don't know. I mean, I guess. If we're really deep gritty, I mean, we have the same anatomy. Yeah, we do. So there's there's that. <laughs> yeah, it's fine though. Being I, I've I've used queer for my sexuality too. I don't know. But if you were gonna choose a body to be with, that body would come in a certain form for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're giving Yours. me a really hot look right now. <laughs> My parents listened to this. I, I did not say a thing. I could tell what you were thinking. I mean, highly produced podcast. It's fine. <laughs> Authentic and vulnerable. Keep going. So here's the other question I get. Yeah. And is because I identify as a lesbian, people assume I'm attracted to all women. Ugh. I hate that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, and that's a super 
uh, harmful right, narrative like, about gay people sexualizing me. Yeah. Like, no, I am not attracted to all women. And then I kind of like, wait, people like, are you attracted to all men? I'm like, so this person over here in this body and this maleness, are you attracted to? And they're like, no. And I'm like, it's same for me. Mm-hmm. Not attracted to all women. Yeah. <laughs> I just gave you a very seductive look over the microphone. Beep, boop, boop. <laughs> what were we talking about? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> what are some of the, que- do you have like a top list of questions that you get that you're like, I don't want to answer this again. And it's like the most highly rated question you get. Oh. Mine is definitely are you attracted to all women? How can you identify as a lesbian? And what's the deal with the word queer? Those are have to be my top three. I have to answer all the time. I would say my top one that I can think of is how are you non-binary and trans? Can you answer that for everyone? So I think because especially, and it makes sense, it makes, it makes total sense to me um, because a lot of what we see in the media and is binary trans. So there's a lot of rights on on, on binary transness, which is obviously very, very important. Um, and binary being identifies as male or female. Yeah. Like you were assigned male at birth and you are female. You are, you were assigned female at birth and you are male. It's for like folks that go completely to one side or the other male, female. They're yeah. not anywhere in that middle, middle space. Like I am a binary. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, and I mentioned a couple of times on here that non-binary is I just live outside the binary or like in the middle. Mm-hmm. I float. Um, I definitely feel feel very, which is why I use trans masculine because I feel more masculine if there's a if I'm on the center, in between the two, I'm more on the masculine side. But not all non-binary people identify as trans, and so. Um, transness can also just be an umbrella of anything outside cisgender, which is like, if you're like you, if you assign, if your gender identity is the same as what you were assigned at birth, you're cisgender. That's me. And that's not an insult to call me cisgender. Yeah. And people, people have gotten really mad at me on TikTok, on social media about calling them cisgender. I'm like, okay, this is not... If you're going to get so upset about this word cisgender. I have to say, like, that's a baffling one to me. Mm -hmm. It's why someone would be upset with being referred to as cisgender. Yeah. I mean, the best way I described it one time or one way I described it was, okay, we're, we're harming and restricting access to trans people. And, but you don't want to be called a label that just like all of these are labels. Like everything's a label. Like we have to label things because that's how we communicate. It's one way how we communicate. And so transgender names a a person or an identity and cisgender names a person or an identity. And then the, the phobia comes in when it's like, well, I'm not cisgender, but I don't like transgender. It's so... I, I think with with labeling, right? Like, and and this has been a long time argument that I've heard from people. Like, we don't need labels, and I'm like, but you know, it depends on how you're using it, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, like when I when I got labels, I'm like, that label actually helped me understand myself. Same. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder 
and obviously there's very harmful labels that are out there. I don't think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about labels that are benign, but give you an understanding of self and help you and help you express who you are to the world. Yeah. And and speaking of, you know, awareness month, like if you're going to get angry, have a, have a reaction about a word. And I am saying this even from a place of being a person who said, at one point I said about myself, I have no labels and I'm not a lesbian. Like I had a visceral reaction, but I was, it was just me telling on myself that I didn't understand something. You didn't understand yourself about at that myself. Point. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear people or I get messages from people, you know, they're so angry about being called cisgender. I'm like, I just, I see where you're at and I'm not going to f- further argue with you because I can't convince you to, you have to go through some kind of transformation on your own transition. We all transition. Um, So I think Mike Pence needs to get the fly off his head, not worry about Mrs. Butterworth being at the table and take a deep look inside. Yeah. And maybe like recognizing that trying to shock people out of their identity, literally shock them. That's what conversion therapy is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not a good thing. I do think this is a hard time right now, but I do think all of this anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ things that are happening right now is really necessary in a really backwards kind of way, but it's uprooting um, this darkness that we've had about, about queerness that is actually, you know, we have people so in the dark, mm-hmm. like they represent the dark yeah, and um, that it helps us see and, shift our perspective um, about what it means to be human. I, I think one of the things I had had felt was people being uncomfortable um, with my queerness was that they couldn't control the narrative of, of who I was. Yeah. And that really what that told me is that they weren't in control of themselves. That's a statement. Right. So I, I can have a lot of empathy for that and also a lot of gratitude that yeah. I I own my identity and who I am. Um, and I'm okay with you not understanding it or liking it or trying to erase it. Mm-hmm. Like you can't rock, you can't change who I am. I'm yeah. here. I'm yeah. going to be here. I'm going to, and it's like you were saying, like when somebody was waving their hand in front of your face saying, I don't believe in these pronouns. Well, you can choose not to believe in it, but that I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you hear constantly, you know, queer people say like, we're queer and we're here. We're not going away. That's kind of what we mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mean like I'm physically taking up space and spaces. I mean, you cannot take away once I had the power and the ownership of myself. You can't take that away from me. Yeah. So that's why conversion therapies don't work. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't change who someone is. You might be able to abuse them to the point where they're hiding it, but oh. they still are who they are. Yeah. I think it's important to say that I mean conversion therapy ultimately is is trying to to detach detach the you know, split the core, split the self. Mm, like you get, can't do that. And you you can't do it. Um, you can cause a lot of damage. And that person, hopefully, if they have if people who've gone through convergence therapy, hopefully have gotten the support to kind of, you know, heal themselves. But yeah. So before we before we wrap this this week, let's talk about something fun. Because uh, yeah. conversion therapy is like dark and horrible. Oh, totally. Okay. 
So you and I have a kind of like a tradition now where every year um, in the month of October, we rewatch a <gasps> Netflix series mm-hmm. and we did it again this year. And I just need to talk about the fucking brilliance of it again. Fucking <laughs> nah. F-bomb. Um, the Haunting of Bly Manor. Yes. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. And it's 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 supposed to be a ghost story. But I don't think it's a ghost story. It's a love story. Yeah. What do you think of Bly Manor? Um, the, we, it, yes, it was a ghost story at first. And then by the end of I watched it, it was, I'm like, oh, that's a love story. And then every time we've watched it, it just, yeah, more and more and more. It's a love story. And it's a beautiful love story. Yeah. And I think, I, I think in order to get to authentic, true love, we have to get through our ghosts. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You just took us there. Yeah. Our ghosts. Tell me more what you mean. Yeah. Um, our ghosts being um, our fear, our fears, our inner hatred, our inner worries, um, all the things that we tell ourselves we can't get through but we we can because we're made of we're made of love and light it's cheese ball but it's you know like um if you can have enough courage to get through you know look at your ghost and kind of see what's in the room with you you can get back to home which is love I think my, when you said like, you know, that your, your ghosts is, are your fears. Like I definitely lived with my fears for like 15 years. Yeah. Um, And it's so, it's so beautiful on the other side. And it's not to say that I don't I still have fears. Of course I do, but I was really afraid of being queer, mm-hmm. deeply afraid of it. Yeah. And for good reason. Um, And it just, it took the time that it took and the spaces that it needed and the healing that it needed. But, you know, I know we do have a lot of folks that listen to our podcast who are somewhere um, questioning. They're they're a cue for questioning. Mm -hmm. And um, as a person that uh, went through those fears or those ghosts, as you put it, um, finding the light on the other side is worth whatever work you have to do to, to work through those fears or those ghosts. So. Yeah. Stick with us listeners. Yeah. We got gotcha. you. Yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. Like if you're someone who's kind of questioning, you're coming out midlife or you're like curious or what to do, I can pretty much guarantee that you, cho- when you choose yourself just on the other side of your fear is a beautiful rest of your life. Can we end on that note? Okay. Okay. I love you, babe. I love you too. Well, thanks for listening, um, listeners. Go ahead and, and go to Spotify or Apple and give us a rating. And, and uh, like a good one. Like a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so we can uh, rise rise up on the searches. You can email us at howtobequeerpodcast at gmail.com. You could also reach out to Outfront Magazine if you're interested in sponsoring us. Um, please do. Please. <laughs> Outfront Magazine, they are on... Facebook, Instagram, of course, the World Wide Web. And yeah, that's that's happy Fridayness. Happy Fridayness, and we'll see you in two Fridays. See you in two Fridays, balls of magic. <laughs>